Well, uh, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Tim. I'm the youth pastor of uh, East Bay Trinity Chinese Church. Uh, we're the church that uh, meets right before NBC meets, actually. And uh, sometimes when we go along, that means NBC gets started later. Uh, but our, our youth group, we, we sit over here in the corner and we, we uh, join you for worship. And we really appreciate that. Uh, so actually, Pastor Sam asked me to speak uh, this Sunday as well as next Sunday. And so since uh, we have uh, this uh, time, I, I thought we would uh, spend our time together in the letter to Philemon in the New Testament. And so um, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Now, Philemon is actually only one chapter long, uh, 25 verses. So uh, we'll actually just read through the whole thing together. This is the word of the Lord. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, Napia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare guest room for me, 
For I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You may be seated. And uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that you would have mercy on us, that you would speak to us, grant your Holy Spirit to give us understanding and obedience to do your word. We thank you for the love that you have shown us in Christ and drawing us into your household, into your family. We pray that uh, we would love one another as you have loved us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Yeah. <clears throat> so we just read through the entire letter of Paul to Philemon. And this letter is one of the most unique in, among the letters of Paul. Unlike, say, Romans or some of the other longer letters, Philemon is not full of extended theological arguments. It's a very personal letter. It's written primarily to one person addressing a particular situation. But despite its brevity and its personal nature, this letter is no less rich than any other book of the Bible. As we spend today and next Sunday in this letter, I hope we'll begin to see just how much of the gospel is on display in this letter. Now, because uh, Philemon is so short, we can start by getting an overview of the entire letter. Now, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul, and apparently it was written during one of his imprisonments, likely either at Rome or at Ephesus. And the primary recipient of this letter is a man named Philemon, although there are two others, Appia and Archippus, who are also mentioned. Uh, these were likely Philemon's wife and possibly his son. But it's addressed primarily to Philemon. And this family was apparently fairly well-to-do because uh, we, we find out that they, they have a house that's big enough for the church to meet in. So uh, taking a look at verses 4 to 7, we learn more about Philemon's faith and character. So we see here that Paul thanks God for the love that Philemon has shown to Christ and his church. He mentions how Philemon has refreshed the hearts of the saints, the hearts of God's people. And and this suggests that probably Philemon, as we mentioned, he he was fairly well-to-do. He probably used his wealth to benefit and meet the needs of the church. So, clearly, Philemon was a very faithful Christian. But notice what Paul says in verse 6. He says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. 
Okay, so so uh, this word sharing, so Paul refers, he, he prays that the sharing of your faith may become effective. And this word sharing is also the same word that means fellowship or partnership. And it's the Greek word koinonia. Okay? And Paul is saying that he wants Philemon's experience of Christian fellowship, of Christian sharing, the sharing of himself, of his faith, he wants it to be effective or fruitful. Why? So that, so that he would come to a more complete knowledge of all the good things that God has given us in Christ. And now this is, um, this is important for what Paul is about to say. Notice the way that Paul sets this up. And Paul is very um, tactical and precise and in what he's, in the way he's setting up his letter and his request to Philemon. See, you notice Paul starts off by praising Philemon for his love, his faithfulness, and his generosity. But he's also saying, Philemon, there's there's more to our fellowship, more to our sharing, our, our partnership in the faith. And I'm praying that you'll come to know it. I'm praying that through this sharing, this fellowship, you'll come to know all the good things that God has given us for the sake of Christ. Now, why does Paul frame his letter in this way? Well, he is about to make a very special request. And Philemon may well have been shocked at what Paul says next. So take a look at verses 8 to 10. Paul writes this, he says, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child. You see, notice Paul is, is leaving the surprise for the end. He's got special news for Philemon. In his old age, in his imprisonment, Paul has had a child. He's, he's become a father. Now, of course, we're not talking about a biological son. So, so who is this child? Verse 10, Paul says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now, from the rest of the letter, we know who this Onesimus is. This Onesimus is a slave or bondservant that belonged to Philemon. Now, apparently, Onesimus has run away from Philemon, or at the very least, he has gone without Philemon's knowledge and permission. And it's also possible that in running away from Philemon, Onesimus has also done some material damage. Maybe he stole something. Uh, because later on, Paul mentions that he will cover any debts or, or damages that uh, Onesimus might owe to his master. In any case, so that, that is the old Onesimus. There has been a change in his life. Somehow, he made his way to Paul. And during that time, Paul led Onesimus to Christ. And this is why Paul says he's become a, a father in Christ, Onesimus has become Paul's child in the faith. 
Let's continue on into uh, verses 11 to 14. Look at what Paul says. He says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. And I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might be might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. And so, uh, part of the change that happened when Onesimus came to Christ is he went from being useless to useful. Paul says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful. And there's a bit of irony or wordplay here because the name Onesimus, the meaning of the name, is uh, beneficial. It's kind of ironic that Onesimus was supposed to be beneficial. Paul says, well, I know he, he was useless to you once, but now he's become useful. Well, what does he mean by that? Uh, well, apparently Onesimus became a Christian and began serving Paul in his imprisonment. And so most likely Paul was under house arrest. And it seems that Onesimus made himself useful in tending to Paul's daily needs. So, obviously, Onesimus has become useful to Paul. But Paul is also saying that he's become useful not just to him, but also to Philemon. Well, how so? Well, it's because through Onesimus, it's as if Philemon himself is serving Paul. You see, uh, Paul and Onesimus, they, they were good friends, they had this good relationship. And, and Paul knows, they, yeah, if, if Philemon could, Philemon would serve me um, in my imprisonment. But obviously, Philemon, he's probably miles and miles away. He, he can't do that. Here's the problem, though. Paul knows that Onesimus is gone without Philemon's permission. And as much as Onesimus has been a help to Paul, Paul doesn't want to take advantage of the situation. He doesn't want to force Philemon's generosity. Right? That's why he tells Philemon, I, I, I could command you to do what is required, but I, I don't want to. I, I, want to res- I want you to respond out of love, not out of compulsion. I want your generosity to be willing. But more than that, Paul does not want Philemon to miss out on every good thing that they share together in Christ. Remember, that's what Paul was praying for. He, he was praying, Philemon, I want you to, I want the sharing of your faith, this, this sharing, this partnership, to be fruitful so that you will know every good thing that is in Christ. Well, what exactly is that? What, what's one of those good things? Well, one of those good things that they, sh- that they now share together in Christ is Onesimus. Paul wants Philemon to be reconciled to Onesimus. He wants Philemon to receive Onesimus back, not as a slave, but as a brother. And that is why Paul is sending Onesimus back with this letter. This is the good thing that Paul wants Philemon to know. Verse 15, Paul writes, For perhaps this is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, not as a bondservant, but 
more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You see, in a worldly sense, Philemon formerly had Onesimus merely as a slave, as a servant. But now in Christ, Philemon has Onesimus as a brother. And not just for a moment, but for forever. And this is far more precious and valuable than any benefit that Philemon derived from Onesimus when he was merely his servant. Notice how Paul almost acts like a bridge between Philemon and Onesimus. Uh, Back in verse 12, Paul calls Onesimus his own harp. He says, it's, it's, it's like I'm sending Onesimus back to you, Philemon. And it's as if I'm sending my own heart back to you. I'm sending a part of me back to Philemon. And think about this. Paul, once a preeminent Pharisee and, and now a leader of the church, he's not ashamed to identify himself with this runaway slave. And, and this is how Paul is um, preparing to make this special request to Philemon. Take a look at verse 17. Paul says, So if you consider me your partner, there's that theme of partnership, fellowship, sharing all things in Christ. Paul is reminding Philemon, we are partners in the gospel. We share all things in Christ. And one of those things is Onesimus. So Paul says, if you consider me your partner, Receive him as you would receive me. Verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Okay, so Paul says, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. Has he done you any wrong? I'll make it right. Does he owe you any debts? Charge that to my account. I'll repay it. Here, here's the thing, though. I think, well, it seems to me that Paul knows that Philemon would gladly do all these things for Paul. If Paul himself were to show up at his doorstep. Right? After all, Philemon has been praying for Paul's release from prison. And we see this in verse 22. Okay, so, so Paul knows that. He's, he's reminding Philemon, Philemon, if, if I were to show up at your doorstep, you would uh, say, hey, hey, Paul, don't worry about it. You don't owe me anything. Come on, come, come, come stay with me. I'll take care of you. Well, now, Paul wants Philemon to do that for In fact, it seems that what Paul really wants Philemon to do is forgive Onesimus and then send him back to serve Paul again. Remember, Paul was saying, you know, Onesimus has become very useful to me. I would have liked to keep him here with me, but I know that this would be without your consent. In verse 20, Paul says, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. (laughs) So he wants some benefit from Philemon. Again, there's this 
Um, there's a pun here, because the name Onesimus means beneficial. And so, sort of reading between the lines, you could say that Paul wants some benefit. He wants some Onesimus from Philemon. And so, without being too blunt or upfront about it, Paul may be asking for Philemon to grant Onesimus his freedom. Or at the very least, he wants or hopes that Philemon would send Onesimus back to him. Well, it goes without saying that this request is a big ask for Philemon. It would certainly be a financial cost to him. Uh, More than that, he, he now has to rethink his entire relationship with Onesimus. Remember, slavery was universal in the pagan world. To forgive a slave and then receive him as a brother, this is probably not what Philemon was expecting to read when he received this letter from Paul. You might be wondering, well, did Philemon actually do what Paul was asking? And we have good reason to think so. Um, as is evident from the letter, Paul had a good relationship with Philemon. At the end, in verse 22, Paul expresses confidence that Philemon would do everything he asks and even more. Uh, but beyond this, the fact that this letter is now a part of our Bibles suggests that Philemon did do what Paul wanted. Um, After all, Philemon probably wouldn't have kept this letter around if he ended up ignoring Paul's request. In fact, there's an interesting historical note that may be connected to this. Um, One of the early church fathers uh, was a man named Ignatius. He was the bishop of Antioch. Bishop is just, you know, pastor or elder. So this man, Ignatius, was bishop of Antioch. And he was uh, martyred, he was executed in Rome around um, A.D. 110. So A.D. 110, that would have been about 50 years after Paul wrote this letter to Philemon. Right? So about 50 years after Paul, um, roughly the first generation of Christians after the apostles. Okay? Now, before this Ignatius was executed... He was visited by another bishop from the church at Ephesus. So the the bishop of the church at Ephesus went to visit Ignatius. And this other bishop's name was Onesimus. Now, this could be just a coincidence, because Onesimus was not an uncommon name. But the interesting thing is that Ignatius wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. And he makes almost the exact same pun on Onesimus' name that Paul makes in Philemon. Okay, so just as Paul said to Philemon, I want some benefit from you. I want some Onesimus from you. Uh, So Ignatius, in his letter to the Ephesian church, he he writes, May I always have profit or, or benefit or Onesimus from you. So at the very least, Ignatius was familiar with Paul's letter to Philemon. And maybe, possibly, his friend, this bishop of Ephesus, 
was the same Onesimus of the Bible. Again, this doesn't prove that they're the same person, but it's not impossible. If Onesimus was a young man when Paul wrote Philemon, he would have been an old man by the time of Ignatius. He wouldn't have been impossibly old. Again, we can't know for sure, so we shouldn't be dogmatic about this, but you know, wouldn't it be a glorious end to the story if the slave befriended by Paul and reconciled to his master grew to be one of pastors, the leaders of the ancient church. Isn't that a wonderful picture of the transformation that the gospel brings when it enters our lives? So um, what can we learn from this short letter? We'll have a chance to talk more about it next week, but um, the letter to Philemon illustrates the way that the gospel brings us into a new relationship, not just with God, but also into a new relationship with all the people of God. Of course, we see this in the master-slave relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. Because Christ has saved them both, Philemon can no longer treat Onesimus merely as a slave. He must treat him as a brother. And I think that uh, you know, even we moderns can understand how seeing a slave as a brother would drastically change that relationship. And this is why over time, slavery eventually disappeared from Christian civilizations, even though prior to that it was basically universal in human history. But this letter is not just about this master-slave relationship. We really see that the gospel ought to transform all our relationships. When we are saved by Christ, when we are made members of his body, we are brought into a new community, a new fellowship, a new sharing of life. That's the reason why Philemon and Onesimus uh, their relationship has to change. It's because of this sharing of faith that now exists between Philemon and Paul and Onesimus. That's, that's the driving force behind Paul's request to Philemon. And likewise, all of us who are in Christ have been brought into this fellowship, this sharing of faith. And of course, we share a common faith in that we all believe the same things about God and Christ and sin and salvation. But this sharing or fellowship goes beyond our doctrinal commitments. We are called to share not just common beliefs, but also a common life as a church. And that is, we are called to share our very selves with one another. Now think again about this letter to Philemon. What, what, is, what is the thing that's being shared between Paul and Philemon and Onesimus? Is it not ultimately their very own selves? Or Paul talks about Onesimus, serving him on behalf of Philemon. And then he talks about Onesimus, well, he's my own child. And so that's why he sends him back to Philemon. And when he does that, it's like he's sending himself, his own heart. And that's the reason why on Philemon's part, he's got to receive Onesimus as he would receive Paul. Now it's getting all mixed up. It's, it's almost like 
Onesimus is a hot potato that's being passed between Paul and Philemon. And at the very end of the letter, Paul <clears throat> tells Philemon to prepare a guest room because he's hoping that through his prayers, Paul will be graciously given to him. And so this whole letter is permeated with Paul sharing himself with Onesimus, sharing himself with Philemon, sharing himself with Paul. And it's all kind of hard to keep track of. But that's, that's part of the point. Christ has bound these men together in fellowship such that they share in him, <clears throat> but they also share in one another. He has joined them together in his body. That is what Christ has done for us as well. And the good news is by his death and resurrection, Jesus has brought sinners like you and me into the family of God. And one of the key implications or applications of the gospel is that we must see other Christians as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, sometimes thought that um, when the Bible uses the language of brothers, sisters, or being a household or family of God, it's sometimes thought that, oh, this is just being symbolic. Right? The real families, or the real brothers and sisters, are the ones that we have biologically. But I, I think that actually gets things backwards. As Paul reminds Philemon, the relationships that we have in the flesh are temporary. The relationships that we gain in Christ are eternal. They are forever. And this is not to devalue or diminish earthly relationships like those that we have with our biological families. Rather, it is to say that as important as those relationships are, the relationships that we have in Christ transcend those. Our earthly biological families are but shadows of the more glorious family that we have in Christ. Now, like our earthly families, we don't get to pick our spiritual families. We don't get to pick the people that we go to church with. Uh, of course, you could always you know, hop from church to church anytime you run into people or circumstances that you don't like. Um, but the reality is that there is no perfect church. And that's because on this side of eternity, there are no perfect people. Christ is still at work in us, sanctifying us, and pruning away the remainders of sin that are still in our hearts. And one of the ways that he does this is through the people that he gives us in the body of Christ, in his church. Indeed, that's one of the chief ways that we receive Christ himself. That's one of the ways that Christ gives himself to us, is through brothers and sisters in him. Remember, uh, Paul wanted Philemon to know every good thing that we have in Christ. But how would he gain this knowledge? Well, it's by the effective sharing or partnership or fellowship of his faith. That's why as Christians, we need one another in the church 
That's why the sharing of our lives as Christians must go beyond you know, a mere handshake or two on Sunday mornings. It's through one another that we, in some sense, receive the Lord. Now, obviously, we have brothers and sisters in the church to encourage us, to point us to Christ's likeness, to pray for us to meet our needs. Just like Philemon refreshed the hearts of the church. But as I said, there's also no perfect Christians. And that means that there will be times, even in the church, when we run into awkward, difficult circumstances, even friction between brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we have in the separation between Philemon and Onesimus. There is this reconciliation that needs to happen. And yet, yet how, how does Paul encourage Philemon to look at it? Well, he wants Philemon to look at it through the lens of God's sovereignty. Right? Paul says, yeah, I know this is an awkward situation for you, Philemon, that you know, Onesimus ran away, maybe even did some material damage to you. But think about it this way. Perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a little, so that you might receive him forever as a brother. And so, yes, there are awkward, difficult circumstances and even friction that we run into as a church, but that is God using our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we might become more and more shaped in His likeness. This letter to Philemon presents a model for reconciling and receiving one another in the name of our Lord, especially within the body of Christ. And the principles in Philemon applies even to something as simple as, you know, I don't, I don't feel like sharing with my little brother. Or it's, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning and I can already feel I'm having to, I'm starting to have a short temper with the kids. So how, how should we respond? Well, how does Philemon teach us to respond? And we'll talk about this more next week, but it would not be inaccurate to say that in the relationship between Onesimus and Philemon, Paul stands in the place of Christ. That is to say, what Paul does for Onesimus is like what Christ has done for us. And Philemon should receive Onesimus like he would receive Paul, certainly. But ultimately, Philemon should receive Onesimus as he would receive Christ himself. So suppose you are having a hard time with someone in the church, uh, some difficulty, genuine difficulty to deal with. Could be maybe someone in your own family, parent, child, or some other relative. And you know you should be reconciled, but the cost is hard to swallow. But what would Christ say to us? I imagine he'd say something like what Paul said to Philemon. You're having a hard time forgiving Joe across the aisle. Well, remember, he's your brother. So treat him as you would treat me. If he has wronged you in any way, or if he owes you anything, Christ might say, then charge that to my account. Well, you can see how this puts forgiveness and reconciliation in a totally different light. How foolish would it be for us to say to Jesus, to our Lord, 
hey, remember Jesus, you owe me for what Sally or what Joe did to me that other day. Would we really hold a grudge towards the one to whom we owe our salvation? Consider that Jesus gave his own life to make that brother or that sister his own, just as he gave his own life to make you his own. And so then if we harbor bitterness or enmity towards a brother or sister in Christ, well then that is to harbor bitterness and enmity towards Christ himself. Now on the other hand, if Jesus were to walk through those doors, wouldn't we all be lining up to offer him some service or to show him some honor? Wouldn't we each want to invite him over for dinner or to show some kindness or hospitality towards him? Well, if that's how we would receive Christ, then let that be how we receive one another, even the weakest, most difficult, or the least honorable among us. Let that, how, uh, let that be how we receive our own parents or children. The elderly, the young, those who have much, those who have little, those who are like us, and those who are unlike us. Let that be how we receive one another in Christ. Indeed, the principle embodied in the letter to Philemon is similar to what Jesus himself taught. In Matthew 25, Jesus says that in the last judgment, the righteous will ask, Uh, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or or naked and clothe you? And when did we uh, see you sick or in prison and visit you? And Jesus himself will respond, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Um, Next week, we'll take a further look at how this letter to Philemon reveals the gospel of Christ. Um, Today, so far, we've looked at it mainly from Philemon's perspective. What what is Philemon called to do, and how can we learn from that? Next week, we'll look at it from Onesimus' perspective. How does putting ourselves in Onesimus' shoes help us to see the gospel? But as we close today, um, let us ask ourselves, Who are the ones that Christ is calling us to receive in his name? To receive as if we were receiving Christ himself. Is there someone to whom God is calling you to be reconciled? Is there someone that God is calling you to forgive? Is there someone with whom we should be sharing ourselves? Paul prayed that the sharing, the fellowship of Philemon's faith would be effective for knowing every good thing that we have in Christ. So also, let us pray that our sharing together in the faith would not be superficial, but would be truly effective in leading us to know all the goodness that is in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. We thank you, above all, for giving us the gift of your Son, 
In Him we receive the forgiveness of sins. In Him we receive new life and reconciliation with You. And therefore we ask You that You would bring us into a full knowledge of all the good things that we have in Him. We pray especially that the sharing of fellowship of our faith in and through one another would be effective in bringing us to this knowledge. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to receive one another as we would receive Christ himself. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.